If you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at WTAE Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. This is Worth the Admission Podcast. I'm B. Frank. And I'm Travis. It's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm to the point, well, I'm to the point now where he's just transferring of the powers now where he says, say my, say my name. It's just funny and how he, he's cracking the jokes about him being creepy. Yeah. Uh, he's like, say, say it. it now. Uh, I, I like it. I don't think of it as a DC. I mean, it's 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 just such a weird movie for to be a superhero movie. It feels like just such a kid movie, and I'm not saying it's, that in a bad way. But you've had these a lot of these young teen adult movies that have come out lately in this resurgence. It feels like that. I mean, I know there's more to it, and it's, well, like Zachary Levi said that it's a cross between Superman and Big, and that's exactly the feel that I got from it. Yeah, Mark Mark no, Strong no, I, that's a lot darker than I thought he would be, but he, I mean, he kills it all the time. He like, he makes a good villain. He made a spot I'm, on Sinestro really too. I'm, I'm excited. It, it, it's like I said, I enjoyed it. It's good right now. I just, it wasn't what I expected. So I don't know how to feel about it. I, you know, going in with a superhero movie, you still expect a certain kind of feel. No matter what, whether it's good, bad, DC, you know, Marvel, it doesn't matter what comic book movie it is. You expect a certain way. And this threw me for a loop because the first 25 minutes, I feel like I'm way too old to be watching this movie because it just <laughs> felt like a kid movie. It really did. It felt like something I could take my son to. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a but, family but that, movie. But it's nice. Much more family than Aquaman. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The underwater scenes are really cool. Yeah, and the violence, but the, yeah, the, that it last forty five minute war scene is pretty gruesome. But I just think of it as a whole. Like Aquaman was a really good movie, though. Still, mm-hmm. I think that's why I'd still take a kid to see it because you don't necessarily look at the violence as like realistic violence in a world where fish are battling other fish that doesn't have you know with humans riding on it or half humans riding on it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, the, so. there's only so much reality you can put into that. I finally watched the Doctor Sleep trailer yesterday. Twice, actually. And it's good. Uh, yeah, like it looks really good. At first, I thought it was a TV show, and so I was a little upset that it wasn't a TV show after the trailer. But it looks like it's going to be a good movie. I'm very intrigued to see how much of The Shining is actually tied into it. It seems like it's going to be like a big factor. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be one of those where the story just develops and you uncover so much more as you go on. I think that's the thrill of it. I I love The Shining. I think if you love horror movies, it's one of those staple movies that it's done so well. It holds up so well. I, I love it to this day. It's one of those that you have to watch it. No, not even for me, not even just Halloween time. It's just a good movie. So yeah. I didn't know this was coming out. I didn't know I wanted this, and I'm glad it's here. Yeah, and Ewan McGregor playing the lead. It should be pretty good. The Did kid finally... all grown up and just the just the subtle hints that I saw going through. You know, throughout the, the trailer, especially when you see Jack Nicholas's character, the, the 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 door that was split open. I just That was cool. It, he looks terrifyingly close to what he did in that light at that age. Yeah. And uh, it gives you goosebumps because you go, man, they really could have been related. And just in that light, the way they the make the way they make him look, 
mm-hmm. it gives you chills because you're like, wow, did I didn't know I wanted this, and now I really want it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm down for it. Did you finally finish the last episode of Black Mirror? I binged it, so I yeah, I ate that up. I was told myself I was gonna watch one a day for three days, and it didn't happen. <laughs> no, uh, happened all in were... one day. They're they're fantastic. I love the show. They prove why they're really good. And even though we didn't get a full season because of Bandersnatch, the three episodes we got were fantastic. I mean, yes. What was your favorite? Um, I think the most fun was the one with Miley Cyrus. Ashley, oh, the one that had me most engaged was Smithereens, the middle one. Um, and the Anthony Mackie video game one was cool. It was just different. But I didn't like the end of the Smithereens episode. I just... Little things like that throughout the whole season. It felt like they were throwing... I don't know. There were a lot of political and social schemes in there. And one thing that I liked about Black Mirror prior to season 3, 4, is that it was... The stories were all about technology that we could have and drawbacks and, and, you know, additions to that. Whereas this season was more an allegory for what we already have and how it's currently affecting us. And I didn't really, I didn't really care for those subtleties that they put in there or non-subtleties yeah. for the end of Smithereens. But for instance, this entire season, if you put it as a whole... I thought the Anthony Mackie episode was just so strange and so bizarre, but it fit the mold of what Black Mirror is, which Mm -hmm. there isn't really a normal for it. And that's what I loved about it. It was just so off the wall. I liked the character that they played. And for him to play that character, to fall in love with a video game character, and in in the sense of the world, I mean, they did it in a lot more artistic way than what we obviously think in culture when someone who plays online a lot or Mm -hmm. has an online persona. It's always more it's meant more demeaning wise you don't get out you're antisocial this that the other thing i thought the way they brought this of them being just friends and successful and just a relationship going to the next level in a different way that we didn't think possible i mean into like the whole vr thing it took that technology and was like this is what it really should be not what it could be this is what you should see and i love that they brought that technology in that sense um, I also like the video game levels. I thought from just a cool fan perspective, you know, Those were anybody who cool. likes video games, like the big fighting arenas, I just thought they were that. Just thought that was a really cool touch. But they didn't look cheap. They looked really well done. One thing that I noticed too is the technology of the VR that they were using is Tekker, I think, which is the same VR from USS Callister from season four, and. I'm pretty sure that's also the same technology that they were quote-unquote testing out in that first gaming episode in season one. And so we've kind of been able to see that progress from the trial period all the way through the now fully functional period. So that I did like that part. That was a cool little tie-in that they they did that I enjoyed. Yeah, I... It's not only just, let's get away from that episode a little bit, even for Smithereens, the second episode. I thought that one, they took technology, they dumbed it down because they really brought it to what to do, what this would, this is what would be the situation today if this were to happen. And, and that's also why I did I thought it was, 
but that's the part. But you got to take away the technology element. They wanted you to see the human element as well too. And though we've kind of seen that story done before, the way they do it, in a sense, you really feel for that character. I mean, even Topher Grace's character, which is just some weird Zen dude who's a billionaire. Yeah. Um, he even he even brought the human side, and it took it took from just being that character of being the guy and brought himself into that character when he was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna die now, and him telling him not to do it, and you could feel, please don't do this, and you could see him transform through that process, which was a great thing for Topher Grace's character. To me, it was a really well acted. Um, it was a really well acted episode. The African, the the actual guy who gets taken, the hostage. He is he's from uh, Snowfall, on FX. Brilliant show, by the way. If you haven't seen it, comes back in I think less than a month, July tenth on FX. It's great. Um, about the uprising of drugs in the nineteen nineties in L.A. and he becomes kind of like a drug lord. It's if you haven't seen it, it's really good. But mm-hmm. he's from that. He's brilliant and he's brilliant in that as well too. So as soon as I saw him, I knew it was going to be a great episode. So to me, them taking away from necessarily always going above and beyond the technology level, they wanted to kind of take a step back. And in this day and age, it's, if it's not out of their certain window where they need to be in the future, people don't like it. I thought it was a really strong episode, and for me, it kept me captivated in a way that they don't normally do. I want to see the technology. I want to see the imagination. That's why people stick around. This just felt more of just a regular episode of a drama. That makes sense when you put it that way. Seeing the human element, I guess I didn't need the tag at the end where people were, you know, just looking at the update. So I, I, I did really like that episode. I just didn't like that tag in the end. So if you explain it more as a human piece rather than just a technology piece, then yes, that that makes sense. That's well, think about th- think about this. You look on Twitter every day. You and I both do, whether it be on our personal or any accounts, just any social media. If there's something going on, say, like, remember the miners that got stuck in Chile? Mm-hmm. Remember how that happened? It captivated everybody. I mean, for everybody else in that area, that was the world of trying to get them out. For all of us, it was just an update on a phone. That's what they're kind of trying to get at. Or all these situations with guns, especially hostage situations, especially in the U.S., even not trying to get political or anything like that. But in a sense, technology sense, it keeps everybody captivated. And as soon as that story's over with, people just move on. He was trying to bring that story just past that point and brought a more human element by trying to get to talk to the CEO and, you know, talk about his wife's death and everything else that brought in so much deeper. That's what made it such a great human interest piece because it took the technology that we had and just the resources because they couldn't get him a hold a hold of him right away. If you see yeah. Topher Grace's character, he was out. They couldn't get him for hours as they sit there and the police surround and everything and it, the situation gets worse. It made it to where it wasn't just one of those contact things where you can put the little VR thing on or put the little dots on and just go and find him or meet him somewhere. It's I, That's what I really enjoyed about it. And then the third episode, I thought... Oh, Miley Cyrus was great in it. But I thought that yeah, was probably agreed. one of the best Black Mirror episodes out there. I think you can rank that easily within the top five. I do, because I it felt like such a movie and it had such a completion point. Um and you don't usually get that from TV. I was thinking, oh, the TV show must almost be over, and I still had another twenty minutes. And you don't get that out of a normal TV where it just feels like like you're just watching a movie. Well, and, and the other thing too is that I don't know they've started to do it more often, but 
a Black Mirror episode having a happy ending. You kind of had a happy ending in the VR one as well, albeit, you know, different. This was still just kind of a happy ending. And kind of like San Junipero, I think that's one of the reasons that it's so much, so resonating is that it's it's a complete story. It's a fun story, but it's also a story with a happy ending for a show like this. Well, it's all about love, if you think about it. It really, truly is about love. San Junipero is about love and what you would yeah. do for love. And even in the, the times that you have it in being free of yourself. And especially with this Ashley O one, I thought it was more about loving yourself and being who you truly want to be. It's all about love, whether it be in one way or another. And they do a really good job at expressing that and not just being like, Oh, I get it. It's you really, they really make you develop this heartfelt emotion because they always swing you one way, especially like in San Junipero. And then you get the hook halfway through and then you figure out what's actually happening, but they still make you care just as much. Even with the Anthony Mackie one, uh, that episode, though, didn't go exactly as I thought it would go as planned, you know, mm-hmm. with eventually the husband being able to go game with his friend and do and be the person he wants to be on the online world, and she gets to go out and be who she wants to be in the real world. It's And it was a mutual thing, but it's about loving each other as well, too. It, like I said, they do it all in three different, completely different stories, but tie in that same unity, love and technology, and it's a it's a pretty good combination. It, it makes everybody watch, and it, it's making for a good TV series. Now, how about Always Be My Maybe? I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. That was probably... I, it was Russell Park, who was the main guy. I think that's his name. Yes. He's hilarious. And I started Ai it Wong, at... the comedian. I started it at work, and... I texted my roommate that the Keanu Reeves scene alone is worth watching in the entire movie. But the other thing, too, is that the movie was funny. And it wasn't, like, slapstick humor or dry comedy. It was situational comedy. It was it was comedy in the situation, and it was usually comments made about the person who was saying them, which I thought was really cool, too. Yeah, like this Keanu had more Reeves. of a real in-depth word feel. Oh, that scene with Keanu Reeves is amazing. <laughs> I I know everybody has that lore and I kind of stayed away from the Keanu Reeves thing because everybody seems to be on him right now and I don't know all of what he's done other than just being John Wick and just kind of generally be a good dude but people seem to flock to him I thought in this movie this I finally got to see why they found him so charming in this day and age I don't I haven't watched any of his other movies other than John Wick and then obviously all of his other classic hits that he has mm-hmm. but to me I was like this is hilarious and he's just having fun with it and to me what makes it so funny is i mean ali wong and, and uh park both wrote this and so oh, i didn't know that having to do with having to do with being in stand-up comedy and improv and things like that they know how to make that awkwardness humor um which is really great i thought the the conversation where they have right after they have sex the first time in the car afterwards was hilarious. absolutely hilarious and i was dying i didn't know I, I that was one of the few parts where i was actually laughed and i was out of breath because i thought it was just so funny just but it, they made you laugh in a different way it was the rom-com like they always do and they, it was pretty much the same formation but they just tell it in such a certain different culture you know they took the i mean he was cool just being a pothead and working for his dad 
And I thought the story that they told about him overcoming that and kind of becoming out and being his own person was so much a better story than just the romantic comedy aspect. I think that's why it didn't get very boring and the scenes counted more because you were kind of telling two different stories between them. Even with her and kind of slowing down and trying to find that person, that whole story alone and then them kind of meeting together, it was it was it was really good. Yeah. I'm I really liked it. Uh let's see what else do we have? Um Stranger Things in a couple weeks, July 4th. So two weeks at this point. Uh, that comes out a couple days after Spider-Man, so that's fun too. Uh, let's see, DC Universe is fucking up. Warner Brothers is kind of messing with themselves, actually. Because they Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers didn't think about Disney Plus when they came out with the DC Universe app. Which means, obviously Swamp Thing is cancelled and was cancelled after the first episode aired. Which sucks because i'm really enjoying it the other thing too is there's talks about warner brothers taking down the dc universe app because they want to come out with a warner brothers app but they're talking about canceling all the shows on the dc universe and i just think they should move that into their app and so i i'm really digging their shows but they need to find out what they're doing because i i'm tired of getting shot in the leg after one season and getting stuck with this great show that didn't go past one season. Yeah, I mean, but you can't hate on them as much because D- Marvel did the same thing. I, I know they are taking all of their stuff to another app, but why couldn't you de- develop the app to go live and then just incorporate everything universal-wise into it? Why couldn't you do that just on the DC-wise? That would make more sense instead of canceling yeah. you know canceling everything because you're not gonna be able to put everybody on hiatus and save them especially with how long is it going to take to create the app how long is it going to take to have all the licensing and everything clear for what they officially have or what they're going to put out or what they're going to still keep but this is also what's going to kill netflix too if universal is going to do this disney's going to have theirs i mean everybody's going to have their own streaming app and then netflix is only going to be stuck with what's their own so it's going to be started a very slippery slope when Netflix doesn't have any intellectual property, like they've they bought the the rights to the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, but that's you know it's not actually theirs. You know, I think it's just the rights to make stuff, and so because all of the main companies are going to be starting to do this, I think Netflix really has to think about what their plan is. I think their TV shows are where they're going to fall back on, and Netflix is going to be mainly a TV series type of streaming service um, because otherwise unless they create something that shocks the world i don't think they have anything in the movie category that can really allow them to stand out in comparison to disney or warner brothers yeah because i saw the tweet that netflix put out about 30 million people watching murder mystery over the first weekend but and that's great i mean those are wonderful numbers don't get me wrong for a terrible fucking movie that it was I'm glad a bunch of people watched it. But here's the thing. That, the reason that many people watched it because they didn't have other stuff to watch on Disney Plus yet. Or they didn't have stuff to watch on Universal. And it kind of came out at that time where there's really not a whole lot of stuff on TV. Take in consideration what's going to happen in the next two years. Those numbers are going to go down. Because I'm telling you now, if Disney can be competitive, or even Universal, or any streaming 
app that's going to come out that's going to be related to with our in comparison with the movie studio. I mean, your numbers are going to die down because if Disney can keep that price point under ten dollars for all of their content, I know it's starting at six ninety nine. That gives them another thirty percent leeway to go up if they're yeah. going to be at that top end point. But Disney could pay twenty dollars a month for their streaming service, and people would pay it. And you have to give oh, yeah. people value, and that <laughs> lies with the DC because I think it's smart what they're doing. But if you're going to kill everything in less time than what it took Marvel to do it. And you don't even you're you're not killing it to take it to another property. You're just trying to create an app for it, which is even dumber. It's not like you're, you had it on Netflix and you had to pull it off, and therefore you had to cancel it and you have to come up with something else. It's already on your platform. It's not on a network. It's not on anything else. So, yeah, it's big trouble for them. But at the same time, too, if they can't figure this out, it's just going to keep driving people away. Because if you have to, worst case scenario, cancel everything. I mean. People aren't going to trust you anymore. People aren't going to trust you to make those properties. People aren't going to come out and show out for you. Marvel, though they haven't broken a record yet, and we'll get to that news in a minute, the reason why people showed out the way they did for Avengers is because they stayed the course on what they wanted to do. They planned smartly. They didn't try to get too, you know, they built this as they went, as, as they could. Yeah, as they realized, oh, we could possibly do this, they did it. They didn't go for the home run the first try. And that's what the problem with DC is. They felt they had to compare, and then they started to get better. They came out with Wonder Woman, have Aquaman out, they have Shazam out, That are they do have quality movies. But now you're telling me that your TV side, which you're losing Arrow this year, we'll see how Batgirl does in the CW side of things, but now your DC side on your actual app is going to go down. You're not going to have, A, any property for anybody to watch, and... The quality stuff that people want to see, now you're telling us they're going to get canceled after one week, so no one's going to trust you. Your app, you know, yeah. there's just so many problems. And I think this is the issue that you're going to start to have with all of these properties and where are they going to go and who's buying them up and all of these video game properties because, you know, and Marvel properties because unless it's done by them, like Sony's making their own video game movies, mm-hmm. once you start having too many hands in the basket or don't think, you know, you fall people apart. start losing out, and that, yeah. But it, it's just, it's not a good look. It really is not. Well, on the plus side of, I don't know, DC stuff. Obviously, we had the CW premiere dates, which is always nice. You know, it's 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 in October again, which is where they usually always start. But actual dates are. But always I love that nice. time slot. Oh yeah, well, because you got Sundays is Batwoman. Um, October 6th is when that premieres as well as Supergirl. And then Monday, uh, nothing on Monday. Tuesday's The Flash on October 8th. And the week after that, Arrow starts right after it on Tuesdays. So it's an interesting shift for Arrow. And then, I don't know, Thursday is Supernatural last season and Legacies season two. Um, and then that's, that's it. So we kind of get our DC fix in the first three days, and Sunday and Tuesday at that, because Legends of Tomorrow is going to be a mid-season show, again. Now, with these shows, I'm actually kind of digging the Sunday night show. I think them bringing that back and putting on a strong character, which I think will perform well in Batgirl, in 
into that Sunday night time slot, I think is a brilliant idea. I think Supergirl's on that same night. Because we take these big shows like Game of Thrones and everything like that, that everybody's got to sit down on Sunday night. I think it's kind of cool. They're kind of trying to take that slow, easy effect into the Sunday night show a little bit better. Yeah. And putting two good, putting a solid block of television on now. Not just one show, two shows. And so my question to you is, with that 10 weeks, that's going to put you right at the beginning of December, which is usually when our big crossover event happens. Do you think we're going to get the 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 climax of like Arrow's story there? Or do you think, you know, because that's usually when they do their big mid-season um, you know, crossover. Episode 9 is set to be the crossover for all the all of the episodes of the seasons, um, which I think is the first week of December. And then the week after that is episode 10 at the mid season finales or in arrows case, the series finale. So I think it's going to hit the head during the crossover. And then arrow will have one episode the following week to wrap everything else up, like kind of deal with the after aftermath and however they're going to end that. I'm hoping now, how do you think that's going to play out. I, that, I have no idea. I, I think Oliver is going to die or either get sent somewhere. Like, because Felicity at the end of season seven, spoilers, says, like, I'm ready to see him. So I think something happens and Oliver just can't come back. And he's somewhere where Felicity finally has has him in whatever future they have. I'm not looking forward to the flash forwards, but we'll see how that turns out. I'm kind of hope most. I'm hoping most of the season is just Oliver traversing the multiverse, getting characters together. See, that would be really smart. I mean, it'd be a brilliant way. I mean, I think this character deserves, especially Oliver Queen and Stephen Amell. He's done a great job at being mm-hmm. Arrow. But to me, I hated season seven. And if you're gonna give me ten episodes, give me ten quality episodes of television. Agreed. I hate we we've you and I privately before we've started podcast or anything bitched and moaned about flashbacks and i did a long time ago and you finally joined my case and the flash forwards i would rather see a good story if that needs to be in there fine but i want every scene in that 10 episodes to count because for this character who really kicked off that resurgence for the dc superheroes again yeah on after 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 smallville nonetheless so yeah, I I'm with you on that, but I like I said, I would I really want to see this character get its due at least in the arc of the story that we wanted to see in that last ten episodes. Um, Daredevil on the Marvel side is shockingly not eligible for an Emmy for its one shot. I'm uh, shocked, you say? <laughs> it's eight minutes too long. It clocks in at about eleven minutes. As a single shot, which is impressive, and longer than the hallway scene in season two, but the maximum time for one shots to be eligible for an Emmy is three minutes. So they did too good of a job to be eligible for an Emmy, basically. I think you just need to give him like three Emmys then, or four Emmys, you know, for <laughs> three, six, nine, twelve. Like if it's that long, you know. No, that's unfortunate. I I remember that hallway scene in season two. Or season one, um, and that was absolutely badass. I have not seen the newer seasons of Marvel mainly because oh. it was it's kind of hard to follow the 
when you get your heart broken and yeah. it's you know the ending's coming, especially with some of them not being able to wrap up the story the way they would want to, as per se, you, it loses its luster. I mean, I will say out of the Marvel Netflix universe, Jessica Jones and Daredevil were the two shows that, to me, hands above were the best shows. I mean, I remember watching the first seasons of those Punisher. and I really thought it was something different. Punisher really racks that in, too. Uh, the The newest season of Jessica Jones, though, was really good. That's 13 episodes. I watched it first weekend it came out. But it's good and, and provides... I know, it, it leaves the story open, but not on a cliffhanger. Like, they, they complete the story that they were setting out to tell. It's just sad that we won't get to see more after what they gave us. But it was a good season. So definitely check that out. Now, Avengers Endgame got some big news today, actually, Wednesday, uh, right before we started recording. And I think it's, well, it's definitely a ploy to try and make up to beat Avatar, but Avengers Endgame is coming out next weekend, according to Kevin Feige, as a re-release with a post-credit scene and a, a deleted scene. <laughs> well, stop! Stop making. I know exactly what this. No, oh yeah, I they know... they only have fifty million, fifty five million to make up to beat Avatar, and this is their way of trying to get that done. And but they know, will. The, the moment you will. said any extra footage, it's go. It, it, it you knew it was going to break, and that's great. And don't get me wrong. If this in this next, let me put Endgame this way, it is a great movie. And I think the reason if it doesn't cross or yeah, which I think eventually with this it'll cross the line. But looking at this, I think it's just a little bit too long. If you can make a quality of movie like this at two, a two hour, two hour and fifteen minute, two twenty maybe, in that time frame, I think it would have a lot more rewatchability. There's a lot to invest in a three hour movie every single time you go. It's not like oh I can go catch this movie real quick. You know I could go catch two movies it's in the time it takes to play one. And I think that's one of the reasons why it it died out so quickly. I just think it was a lot to ingest. I don't think people don't enjoy it. I just think at a certain point, how many times can you sit through a three-hour movie? I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It That's a lot to take in in a theater. And, you know, if I'm going to watch something like that, I'd rather watch it at home. So I think that's why it died out. I think your DVDs and your sales, once it hits digital, are going to be massive. Especially even on Disney, Disney streaming service. I think yeah. it's going to be Which- even bigger there. I think with something like the Disney streaming service, any of the main company production services, our all the DVDs are going away. Like you're not going to see DVDs because if why would you pay twenty five dollars for a Blu-ray with digital copy when you have ten bucks a month Disney Plus, seven dollars a month, and you get it digitally pretty much anywhere because you know that they're going to make it available everywhere on mobile on computers and on TVs. So I think DVDs are about to be gone for good. And it's just going to be a, a fully streaming. I mean, that's where all music is going. Now you don't buy many DV- CDs anymore. You'll buy the vinyls for, for collection purposes, but everything is going to be digital and it's happening really, really soon. Well, if you think, I mean, even Apple just 
they said they're going to stop using iTunes or they're going to take down iTunes at the end of the year, which is the first step. In, but, I mean, in, in your point, it's it's happening a lot quicker. Now, the only argument that I have is a purist, and I think, well, there's a lot more pure people out there than me in the terms of a, a DVD or 4K disc quality. Just there's no lag. You don't have to worry about any network issues or your you know streaming issues or speeds or your quality of product. That's the one thing I like about a disc. It is its purest form, just like a vinyl player or a record player or a CD, you know, whatever it is, versus streaming. I don't have to wait for it to load or do anything. It, it's it's instantaneous, and it also sounds... Re- to me, a hard disc is always going to sound better than streaming, no matter how great they try to make it. They've done a great job, and obviously streaming is the way to go. I'm not... I love streaming. But for the disc, it is a bummer to see that go away, but it is nice to see the technology catch up to that point to where we don't have to have both we can just have one now yeah absolutely because the biggest thing that is standing in the way of streaming becoming the new actual normal with physical items of media completely going away is internet bandwidth if if companies would come out with unlimited bandwidth or stupid high to accommodate for those 4K streaming movies, games, you know, all that streaming service capability, then you're 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 good. You've got the world ahead of you. <laughs> because that's the only thing that I see getting in the way is you're either paying $250 a month for internet or internet's going to catch up and you're paying $100 for 15 terabytes, which is a lot, but you know, isn't unlimited. Oh no. And I get it. And that's, and that's in the day and age. We're already seeing the technology of, Hey, we're going to take our entire library of everything we've ever made. And we're going to throw it on an app for you. And all you have to do is hit a button on your phone and everything will be there. And I mean, no more Disney vault with that coming out. That's, it's going to have a bigger problem with stuff in the theater box office, box office numbers other than, than Endgame have just suffered. I mean, yeah. some stuff has done okay. We had a little bit, a bit of a wave after because you had Detective Pikachu and, and stuff right after that were really good. But, I mean, Men in Black, International, tanked. Uh, what else came yeah. out this weekend that tanked? Um, uh, there was another movie I that I know didn't perform as as well as expected. And the, the problem is 30 million people around the world, 30 million different Netflix accounts logged on to watch a terrible Adam Sandler and movie and murder mystery, but you couldn't get a big movie with two big name actors, especially Thor and men in black. And you couldn't get anybody out of the house to go see it. And that's a big, scary deal that you and I were talking about. And this is what's going to happen to movie theaters. Yes. I know we can talk the argument where we just did $1.2 billion with Avengers in weekend one, but look at it. It's already slowed down to where it couldn't even pass it got over thirty three percent before six weeks, weekend and and couldn't before get there, weeks. and still hasn't gotten there. And I know Avatar is a huge number, regardless. But still, if you thought, hey, if I'm doing a billion two in the first weekend, I should be able to get there. The problem is people move on so quickly. There's a lot to ingest. the The quake that a movie like this makes was massive, and they put a lot of money into marketing. But at the end of the day, you saw people had to just move on because there's too much stuff out. And now I can go here to grab this. I can go here to grab that. And 
were in big trouble with the theater wise. They I mean they've tried to make it more comfortable now. I think every theater in town now has comfortable seats, and it just doesn't seem to be working with the digital and bandwidth age. As someone who loves going to the movie theaters, like watching Avengers at home is nothing like watching it Thursday night premiere because you get everybody else who's just as excited as you are more or less even. And, you know, I was one of those people in a movie like that cheering and shit. It's, it's going to happen because of all the fan service going on. And I, hell, I was one of those people. And I went in knowing that this wasn't going to be a purely silent movie, but I know that I was with people who are excited and happy for these characters just like I am. And you don't get that at home. And one of the one of those big things with the streaming, with Disney moving their stuff, is they are the main box office producer, basically. Like, when it comes down to it, you've got Warner Brothers that'll have their stuff every now and again. Fox was just bought by them, and Sony has some stuff every now and again. But Disney is the main main person. If they were to take all of their movies out of box offices and move to their streaming services because they know that for $20 a month, if we get a Marvel movie every three months or every six months even, it's worth it. And they're still going to make their money. But going to the theater is just such an experience that I'm afraid that it's going to go away at some point. See, we... We actually started this conversation talking about the death of the disc and physical copy, and that is exactly what I think might happen with what what's going to happen to theaters. It's the same thing. I'm a purist, and I like the way things sound, and I like the way watching a movie on a disc versus watching something on network. But again, it's a lot easier. I have a, a thousand choices on my hand by just one remote versus getting up and swapping out a disc. So what they're doing is they're taking what's easier and what the mass is like, and they're going to get rid of it. I'm not saying movie theaters will always go away unless they can make think of a way to get everybody paid on a movie and have it put be put out to where people are only paying $10 a month for everything or 15 or whatever the amount of money happens to be. But essentially, mm-hmm. the price of maybe two tickets and getting the quality that we want. We've seen so far that there's been some great movies that have come out on streaming services, but nothing that's, to me, has changed wow, the that's... game in a way that... Uh, that we've wanted to before. Not like an Avengers type, oh my goodness, this is happening. I mean, TV has done it, but it's, again, that's TV. That's not a streaming service. And we still haven't gotten that quite that crossover. We've gotten big name actors. I mean, people lost their mind for Bird Box, you know, last yeah, Christmas time. Sandra Bullock. And, and, you know, yeah, that was a big name actor who was in that. And we get things like that, but we're never going to get anything to the mass appeal of... of a movie like a big franchises like that. So I think movies will always be there. My problem is people are figuring a way to make them cheaper or make them more digitally, you know, where it costs them not to travel around as much. So it's a lot easier to make a movie, even if it's not necessarily cheaper, you can stay in one position. You know, it, it makes a world of difference, but that at the end, you have to cut costs somewhere to keep movies in theaters and you don't want to make them cheaper. But again, if people aren't showing up and people would rather watch your, eventually if, Say Disney has, what, a hundred million, or say five, even five hundred million, streaming users. Is that going to make them want to just start making Avengers movies just for their streaming service? We don't know. That time will tell on that. How much money do they need to clear before they go? You know what? Instead of putting it in the theater, because 
you talked about going and having that experience. I think now people want that the instant gratification, so they want to be able to watch something, not leave their house, be able to talk about it, and be, you know, be in that conversation of what's going on and what's in the now. It's harder to do that when you have to go to a theater. I think everything is just going to be going for convenience. And like Blu-ray and 4K disc and DVDs and the technology we've known for so long, it's eventually just going to go away. Well, and, and for something like that, that's essentially the end game. I mean, you started with cassettes of, of some sort, like tape, film. Then you moved into VHS, and then you moved into DVD and 4K. Streaming is really the final stop on this particular train. Because from that point, anything you do is technically streaming. You pull it from a server, you're streaming it. You pull it from a computer, you have you're, you're still kind of streaming it. No, I, I think you're right in that aspect, but... In the network thing, like, say, for instance, with PlayStation, you could watch the NBA Finals if you had the PlayStation VR. That's where we're headed to next. I don't think it's going to be, hey, I need to be watching it on the screen. It's how can we bring it to someone right here and just bring in that world and make it more immersive. I think that's the next step. And then from there, I don't think we've had that technology yet. Because we've had, like, the 4D and, you know, the 4D... um, movie theaters that have the movable seats and everything like that. I think even in Vegas here, we have ones that's a hundred and was 180 degrees. I think it's It's on the walls as well. I haven't been to it yet because they only put it in certain movies, but again, they've, they've tried those gimmicks and I don't think those necessarily work as well. And I think it's too much of a people not wanting to show up anymore. And that's the bummer thing. Cause there's been a lot of good movies. But again, I will tell you, just not to go too far off topic, but I watched a movie by Seth Green. I talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago about Changeland. And it's really great, but it was also in theaters at the same time that it was on VOD. Now, if you're telling me I'm either going to have to pay, you know, 10 bucks to go, 11 bucks to go see it, or I can buy it for 9.99 right now and just stream it, I mean, it's how do you go? Because it comes out the same day. There's no delay. I could actually buy it, you know, and stream it and start watching it within two minutes versus driving 20 minutes to a, uh, a movie theater. Well, I think that's You're what... getting that now, too. I think that's where the experience part of it comes in, too. Because you do have, like, an Avengers Endgame was meant to be seen in theaters. Seen in theaters. Something like Changeland, which is an independent film, is preferred to go see in theaters, but isn't something that you're necessarily going to get that type of full experience from now my counterpoint to that is if i could have you watch a new technology where you have a vr set and holy everything immersive helmet and that put you in the movie would you rather be in that or would you rather see it on a big screen because now that's taking it a step further and i'm not saying that i know that technology is not here yet but i'm saying if we're talking about the progression of technology I would rather fucking have that. Like, don't get me wrong. If you could put me in and I could just look and see everything the way, kind of like you, you're at the forefront of the scene. No, yeah, but you're at the forefront of the scene. You're past everybody else sitting in those seats and you are basically at that line where it says action. And you are there. And everything around you is in that world. And obviously, they would blend things in so you would be immersed in that world. But if you could do a movie like that. I mean, they've done it with like the, the 360 cameras and things like that. 
I'm saying yeah. a full high production Avengers type movie or a Star Wars movie or anything like that. And on a headset, you would you would even if you had to pay a bunch of money for the the gear, if you could watch movies the day they came out on that, would you rather go do that or would you rather sit in a theater? I I get the camaraderie that you get and I don't want that to go away either. I th- but people see the shiny and the new and the technology, the black mirror of it all. You know, that progression in technology and everybody goes that route and we can't do anything to stop it. I mean, you do your best. You're doing your part by showing up to the movies and paying your money to see those movies versus waiting for them to come out and then just streaming them once they hit a certain stream streaming service. So you've done all you can do. It's just what is technology going to technology from here on out for the rest of existence is going to dictate what we do, especially yeah. in consuming and entertainment. Um, well, I guess right b- before we kind of go, I need to talk about Dark Phoenix because I saw that last week and I've been itching to talk about it. I, I won't go spoilers or anything like that, but the, f- it the is floor a- is yours, sir. Please. Speaking of technology from it, <clears throat> the visuals looked amazing. The visuals were the best part about the movie. Everything else about it was not. Um, it, it was just under two hours long. It seemed like it was meant to go for three movies. Obviously they they did do reshoots before it came out, but there was just too much going on in the story and it felt like we got the beginning, the middle and the end, but not leading between them, not the beginning leading to the middle. It was just, we're here now we're here. Then we're there. And the biggest thing I can take away from the movie is I would watch an entire franchise from Xavier and Magneto, hands down. Especially with McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. Man, can they can they demand the screen. But the story, the writing, there were a bunch of cheesy lines, things that didn't quite make sense. Unfortunately, I would say that it's something that's not worth the admission because I even went on a $5 Tuesday. And was just upset by it. Well, being being the good, last X Men movie, it's it didn't live up to the hype that it was supposed to, and that is, I think, the biggest reason why nobody likes it. it just wasn't a good movie. And there, then that therein lies the problem. Is have we just hit a certain cap with certain movies or certain franchises? Have we just seen enough X Men for a while and they need to go away? And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but you're talking about a movie with brilliant actors. I mean, some of the best in this generation on screen together at one time. And I couldn't have even told you the date when this came out. And it's not that I don't like comic book movies or I don't like movies in general, it's just I didn't care. And then hearing the reviews about it further puts that into perspective that goes, Fox, you know, you just don't know what you're doing. I, I will say there's, and, you know, kind of spoiler, but not actual spoiler. There's a part in the beginning where they're saving people from space. I think it was even in the trailer. Now, they don't really touch on the astronauts after everything, but something that would have made the movie 
itself ten times better is if there was a two-minute scene afterward of the X-Men meeting the astronauts or, you know, pilot and, and crew, and they're like, oh, thank you for saving me. What's your name? Oh, I'm Charles Xavier. I'm Reed Richards. You know, throwing in just a little, you know, and obviously it's the last movie Fox is going to make of the Marvel scene. It's just, no, because, like, they could have done something simple and it's like hey there is fantastic four but we don't have to touch on them and i think if they were would have continued they could have gone that route to expand but and it just there was so much potential for it and i think it was just wasted yeah and it's such a disappointment because i felt like that was with the last one as well too it completely yeah fell by the wayside and it had that one even had more hype on it than than this one did. This one really just it fell so far underneath the radar. And I and to me, the hype that you got off of not even just like Avengers, but like Detective Pikachu or just a few of these like bigger movies that were like somewhat successful, even like Aladdin, you had mm-hmm. some hype on it. And this, I just felt like for as big of a property that this is to to I know it might be your last one, but to just go out flat for those characters and those actors i just think is a disservice yeah um i will say though planet of the apes trilogy from the last couple years that is definitely worth watching i watched the first one when it came out in 2011 but i didn't catch up on the other two and i had some free time at work last week uh so i popped all three of them on and they well done they come they come from the perspective of the apes Versus the humans. And so in the originals, even in the Mark Wahlberg one, it was all about the humans trying to take it back or the, the humans being the, the underminers and, and stuff like that. But in this one, they the first one was more about the humans. The following two were more about the apes. But you rooted for the apes the entire time. And I thought that was a cool way of presenting that story based on the franchise, quote unquote, that it's originally based off of. Definitely watch that. I'm so that's your worthy admission for the week. My worthy admission, I thought about it. I it's gonna be the Seth Green movie of Changeland. I, I for an independent movie, it has such a different feel to it. It's the same story, you know, it's about finding yourself, and I thought that was really cool. But you never with a story, you never get peaked high or too low. You know, that he keeps a really even pace. The mood's set really well. I think the music's kinda, you know, it works for what you're trying to do. And I thought it kind of takes you there. And he did a really good job of playing a serious role more than anything else. And that was nice for once. You know, you get him joking around a lot and you hear his voice and he doesn't necessarily play that character. And all his friends are in it. Macaulay Culkin's in it, which I, I, they <laughs> are friends. It just so bizarre. I think Randy Orton, the professional wrestler, uh, he's in it as well too. So he brought characters out, but I think the story was really well done for his first time out. And I wouldn't hate him making more movies like this, and I wouldn't hate if he moved step, took a step further and um, went for something a little bit more feature-wise or with a bigger studio. So that's my worthy admission for the week. You can find it on iTunes or on wherever you get your streaming movies. It's also in theaters, limited as well. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's good. It's something different. It's a different change of pace for this time of year. With that being said. I am B. Frank. And I'm Travis. And we are Worth the Admission. See you next week. Take care.